LHFM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants, HK Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Here's your host, the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso here and we've come to nearly the conclusion of all of our previews for the summer of cricket, which means we need to go back and do something for a bit of fun. And boy, have we picked out something with the A-League just days away from getting into full swing. We thought it would be the perfect time to go over some of the great rivalries that have occurred in Australian football. And we're not just talking about A-League. We're going to go through all of the competitions to pick out what is what in the world of Australian football rivalries. Football, as we know, has been built on great rivalries and we'll be going through another batch of these next week when we look over the top 10 rivalries in English football. But today, it is Australia's turn. I can't do this alone. So joining me once again is our chief football correspondent, the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. Good to be here. Where we never get to talk about... uh this fun stuff too much because we're always a very serious podcast, right? We only only the serious stuff, right? So we're just getting a, a chance now to, to talk about all the fun things and rivalries in particular, which we fan over uh, quite a lot here on the Triple H team. And, you know, this one is pretty close to yourself and, and myself and we're keen to sort of dissect uh, what is, you know, some of the great rivals, rivalries in Australian football. Absolutely. And, you know, we are so excited to go through these. Some of these are close to your heart. Some of these you're going to learn about tonight as well. And it's certainly certainly something very exciting to know and to spread this love and joy that we see in football rivalries, Dom. Yeah, it's... a growing thing I th- it, within Australia is the those uh, those footballing rivalries. Of, you know, we'll obviously touch on some very historic ones uh, throughout the show and, and, and reminisce about some uh, you know some footballing history uh, that has generated and created great rivalries um, across the nation. But it's getting bigger and bigger each year uh, as the game continues to develop. And I'm sure you know if we did this, we could do this to list in ten years' time, and it might change altogether with the way that the game is moving and developing. But what we really want to talk about now, though, as we mentioned, is like the the one the the, the rivalries that have kind of started it all off, and have and have been given us the platform to really enjoy the game uh, within uh, the borders of the of Australia. Well, we need someone to join us who understands football like the back of his hand. And we have gone right into the heart of football within Sydney itself. On the football administration side, he is one of the chief supporters and has been involved in administration for both Apia Leichhardt and with Marconi. He has also been a big supporter and a volunteer with one of our favourite organisations, the Mark Akuri Foundation. We are absolutely honoured to have him on the show. Joe Migliani, good evening to you. Good evening, boys. Anthony and Dom. Uh, look, 
an absolute privilege to be part of this fantastic program that you guys put together on a on a regular basis. And um, yeah, it's both a privilege and an honour to be part of this, uh, especially in the company of you two. Now, you've been involved, obviously, as I mentioned, with Arpia, with Marconi, but you've taken on a bit of a new role because you've been one of the leading lights in trying to drive football within the Hills District and this this new association in terms of the Hills area. And we've also now seen the formation of North, the, the confirmation of the formation of the Northwest Sydney Spirit. Football in the Hills District is now growing in the rate of knots. Yeah, look, um, in the I, I started my role once I retired from from football in the Hills area. And that was, I think, my last adventure was with the Socceroos in 2006. I was part of Frank Farina's backroom staff. And then I had a couple of years off and decided to get back into the game to give something back to the game that was so, so fantastic to me. Um, Football, if you know it worldwide, and I travelled worldwide, is a massive big family, and um, to be to be part of that family, I, I was honoured and privileged to be amongst the the elite footballers of this country. It's so exciting to see what is happening there with the with football in the Hills District, and great to see that you're back involved with Arpia. I know Dom, for example, it is one of his two clubs in NPL New South Wales. It has a very special place to your heart, and who knows, Dom, we might just see Arpia in this lineup. Yeah, exactly right. I, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll get a reference uh, at some point. Uh, uh, yeah, that that I'm not uh, going to doubt whatsoever. But um, let's get into it and uh, find out what we think is the and, and give our two cents on what we think are the biggest rivalries in, in Australian football. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we the referee is out in the middle, the whistle's in, and we are ready to go. These are the top ten Australian football rivalries, ladies and gentlemen. This is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with number 10 for our football rivalries. And Dom, we're going to go with a rather unique one and very unique to Australian football in particular. It is Perth Glory versus Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, one of the more humorous rivalries uh, you'll come across in uh, uh, any kind of footballing context, the the distance derby, uh, sort of spawned on the fact that it's the longest uh, time uh, in which a team has to travel to go face another team in a domestic competition across the across the world, uh, a whopping around five and a half or maybe just a bit below five and a half thousand uh, kilometres uh, that both teams have to have to drive. Uh, so fly, I should say, a fat chance of driving because you're going to have it. <laughs> Unless you've got a, a, an amphibious uh, automobile that can That's get you across the water, get you across the, the Trans-Tasman. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one between the, the Glory and the Phoenix. It's it, it's become one of those fun ones. You wouldn't say it was one of the, uh, one of the most ferocious of derbies that Australian football has produced, but what it has produced is uh, a, a good banter between... Both sets of fans uh, of of each club over you know the the forty four matches that they've they've played together so they played against each other relatively even in the stats as well so it's always been a a, a fair con- context and uh, 
I'll tell you what, it, it's one that I think is growing and growing and one that, uh, like you said, puts a smile on people's faces. And that's why we think it should be in its uh, in this list purely because it's just a little bit unique in its uh, in this context. Joe, it, it is a bit of fun. And the two fan bases they've got as well, the Shed for the Perth Glory and the Yellow Fever for the Wellington Phoenix, uh, some of the best pitch black self-deprecating humour we've seen from two sets of football fans. Most definitely. Let me tell you, um, back in the day, travelling travelling to Perth and getting the red-eyed special straight after a game, let me tell you, I don't miss those days. But to have to travel from Wellington to Perth or Perth to Wellington, mate, it's, it's quicker to fly to Europe, I think. But anyway, um, look, you've got the Shed and their f- supporters, one of the most passionate in this country um, you, is the shed. And you, you've got to have a, understand a little bit about the shed. The shed is predominantly a mix of two very strong football cultures, and that's um, Dutch and English. And predominantly in Perth, a lot of the Dutch and the English settled over there. And they obviously, they love their football. And this is hence why when Perth Glory first started many, many years ago in the old NSL, um, they got together and, and formed this fan base. And let me tell you, it was unbelievable to play in that atmosphere in front of the shed. Uh, absolutely crazy. Then now in the, in, in, the, in the new era, as we say, the A-League, Wellington Phoenix came on. And, and, and look, the New Zealanders are very passionate about their, their football and, and the Wellington supporters. And let me tell you, they have some colourful characters uh, in in Wellington, especially around the 80th minute um, where a lot of tops seem to come off. But there is a lot of passion between the two. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's quite a, an amazing thing. I think they tried to to rival the Ponson from the Western Sydney Wanderers, but um, definitely the Wellington Phoenix one is something to uh, see. But, um, yeah, now look. Because of the vast distances, and I think it's just become a natural, as you said, token gesture uh, rivalry uh, because of the distance that both teams have to travel and the passionate, the passion that both teams have. Yeah, what a, it's a great bit of fun. The, the two fans actually gen, have genuine respect for each other, which is always great to see, and we hope yeah. that these two continue to show some great fun whenever they do play each other. Let's move on to number nine, and we go from the fun to one that is, well, I still think is a bit of fun because it does draw on that very famous Sydney versus Melbourne rivalry, Dom. Well, actually, I'm going to go to Joe for this one in particular, but it is, we start to get into the first of the genuine cultural rivalries here. We are talking about South Melbourne versus Sydney Olympic. This is the Australian Hellas Derby. What a what what an absolute derby that was. I was had I've had the good fortune that have been part of that with Sydney Olympic when uh, Manfred Schaefer was coaching there. Um, and we went to South Melbourne. And let me tell you, uh, Lake Lakeside Park there was absolutely packed to the rafters. And you had the passionate crowd of the South Melbourne Hallis boys uh, up in the stand with their trumpets and, and everything. And it, let me tell you, it was absolutely crazy. Um, and, and then what you've got to have a look at from a cultural perspective, 
when these uh, when these immigrants first came to Australia, you had um, the a, a large predominant group of Greeks landed in Melbourne, and the next lot moved to Sydney. But you have in in Melbourne uh, probably I think they're they're a bigger Greek city than what what Athens is. So you can understand um, how big the 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 passion is for South Melbourne. And then you've got the the Sydney Sydney Olympic people, um, you know the Greeks here in Sydney, and 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 they obviously believe in their own club, and they started back in back in the day when Panhellenic came to the fore, uh, and so this is hence why the rivalry, and the rivalry goes back back to the sixties in the in the old Australia Cup and and that type of stuff. So it, it's not something that just started now; it's something that's been going on for years and years and years. And let me tell you, people look out today to hopefully see Sydney Olympic play South Melbourne in an FFA Cup uh, match. So, but yeah, the rivalry is it's 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 like two sets of the, it's like Panathinaikos playing Olympi- Olympiakos in in Greece. That's that's how you could um, uh, match that rivalry up. And Dom, not one that you would have seen throughout your your uh, your time on this on this earth, because obviously this is one that really grew out of the old NSL. But it's one you are definitely aware of, and certainly the biggest talking points out of these was not only the quality of players coming out of the two clubs, but the number of times they saw each other in finals matches that could often get quite spicy. Yeah, it's uh, this rivalry has a, a lot of history to it, right? And, you know, New South Wales and Victoria are, are Australia's, you know, big footballing states. Um, no offence to, uh, you know, Queensland, Western Australia and, and South Australia, um, you know, love their football too, but, you know, predominantly played on the east coast of Australia um, and the 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 names that you, which you mentioned that have come out of these two clubs, you know, like the like, likes of Tim Cahill and and Ange Postecoglou in particular, um, you know, speak a lot of words to the quality uh, and the the importance that both of these these two teams play in the Australian footballing uh, world. In terms of in space, I should say, it, it's interesting because they're so because they're so large and because they're so dominant historically the fact that that's that's where the clash really is it's the it's that it's that almost rivalry to be who it's like you know two big corporations going up against one another right it's in that kind of business model and that and that's where the kind of history between the two has really started to and it's really started from and where it's gotten to now obviously they don't clash with each other as much these days with the new format of the competition. But tell you what, if there was a chance that they might come up against each other in an FFA Cup match or, you know, potentially in the, you know, they're looking to do that promotion slash relegation system within the next five years at the professional, at the first professional level, at that first class level, then by all means, both these two sides are going to be ones putting their hands up for that immediate uh, promotion into into the A-League. And we're talking about what these two sides, apart from their ethnic background and what they brought to this country and that rivalry, but the amount of players that these two clubs have produced over the years for Australian football is absolutely amazing. When you look back, you have a look at Paul Trimboli came through, Peter Catholis, Peter Raskopoulos, you know, you look at Angie Postacoglu, uh, Mickey Peterson, 
um, uh, Billy Rogers in back in back in the day, mate. These guys, yeah. You know, th- there's been so many great players being produced by these local, uh, you know, these ethnic clubs, as they put it, or these uh, these clubs uh, and, and their rivalry only enhanced the quality of the players as they went and moved along. So you know, it, it's it's not only the rivalry, but it's also what they've done for the game in this country that we also got to look at. Well, let's move on to uh, to rivalry number eight. And, Dom, it is an, an unusual one in terms of the name that it's called, but it carries on the tradition of these two clubs being fierce rivals in the sporting world. It is called the original. It is Melbourne Victory versus Adelaide United. Yeah, it's a, it's a somewhat special rivalry that gets uh, overlooked now due to the newer rivalries that have entered the competition, uh, uh, the A-League in particular, in the last few years or so. But, you know, this was like the first one that really kind of kicked it all off. I mean, what makes it so special is that it, you know, it's kind of developed from that sort of reputation of inferiority complex that Adelaide United had, had had against Melbourne Victory, which was tipped off by the A-League final in 2007, uh, you know, which Melbourne won quite convincingly at the time. Archie Thompson scoring five times in one match. Um, you know, something that, you know, I think has always left a really bad taste in the mouth of Adelaide fans in particular and, and the organisation itself. So when they ever face up against each other in this day and age, you always know that that one particular fixture is still just lurking there. You know that in the hallways of, you know, High Marsh Stadium or Adelaide over where they play these days, you have that partic- that loss is drummed out to them every time that the the victory come to town, and I like I said I don't know the the victory care all that much about this rivalry now, but certainly Adelaide do, and that's what makes it so fiery. And Joe, it, it, what's fascinating about this rivalry in particular? You look at the. Uh, the record between the two teams in this. And there's one thing that stands out in particular is Melbourne's record against Adelaide United in finals currently sitting at seven blot with a draw. And that really is the difference in the overall matches results between the two teams. Yeah, look, um, that that rivalry has always been a very strong one. And it's like big brother and, 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 and little brother um, between Adelaide and, 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 and Melbourne victory. And it just seems to be um, their bogey team. Adelaide's bogey team has always been Melbourne for them uh, to try and get get over him. And I think that's where that rivalry came in. And it becomes a bitter rivalry every time those two teams get together, especially with the two sets of fans. You know, it, it's you want to try and get one over uh, the other. And, and unfortunately, Adelaide in final series hasn't come up Trump yet. And it's fascinating as well because the you see the way that the two clubs have evolved in terms of the, the style that they play. And Melbourne victory, if anything, almost getting grittier and grittier the years while gone on. While Adelaide United went down this pathway of tiki-taka. And while it hasn't completely been retained, there are still elements that exist um, within Hindmarsh Stadium. Yeah, look... Um I mean, if you want to go back with Adelaide's history, you go back to Adelaide City and the Zoran Matic era. Uh, for me, Zoran Matic and still was 10 years ahead of any other coach. You could probably call him the Jack Gibson of, 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 Australian, uh, of Australian football. Um, the, the methodology, and I had the opportunity to work under him, 
um, at, at, when he was at Adelaide City and, and at, at Marconi. But to 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 know that the the education of a lot of the coaches down there and the understanding they've gone through that Zoran Matic style of football, and that's probably where you get that ticky tack style of football where they try to play the ball around a little bit more than than any other team. The Melbourne victory, and I think under Kevy Musket and all that, they came into a more direct style of football. Uh, they were playing the ticky tack style of football under Angie Postacoglu. That's where you probably find the two differences have come in. And and the English style of football is more prominent in the Melbourne victory than what it is with Adelaide. Adelaide seems to be that more European style. And Dom, to finish off, we always love to talk about team players that have played for both teams. And there's some three particular names that have played for both clubs. Yeah, you know, the ones that you, you've really got to look at uh, really stand out. Uh, you know, you start like sort of Michael Beauchamp, uh, Eugene Galikovic and James Troisi, who have both plied their trade at both clubs. Um, I, I'm sure there's a few more as well uh, on this list in particular, but those are the three that have really, you know, stood out to us over the last few years. Um, and, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, most going from Adelaide over to Melbourne too. That's um, correct as well. So to make it even more fiery, you know, victory pinching those those, those best players from Adelaide, uh, it, often when you see that happen, that always causes sort of, you know, pain uh, for, for fans when they see that one club just always pinching their top talent um, each and every year. Well, let's move on to rivalry number seven, and it's a rather old one again that hadn't gone on for a while, but then got resurrected with SA, um, NPL. Joe, we are talking about the Adelaide Derby. I actually had the good fortune of sitting in one of those back in the old NSL days and going there to Hindmarsh Stadium. And, and let me tell you, it was electric. The, the rivalry between the Greeks and the Italians of those times, um, West Adelaide, um, and Adelaide City was unbelievable. And you played to pack houses. Um, these derbies were just predominantly known as uh, packed houses. And, and then you have a look at some of the players that came through the day, in, in the day, like your Damien Mori, uh, the Vidmar boys. Wow, the Vidmar boys were just a class above everybody else to watch. It, 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 was, it was just crazy. Um, Obviously, because of the Greek-Italian rivalry, but also the the north and um, the city slickers of Adelaide City and and the western suburbs boys of um, of West uh, West Adelaide Hellas, um, and that made it a big rivalry, not just for the Greeks and the Italians, but but the community at large. And Dom, two things to note about this is that this is probably one of the more one-sided rivalries in terms of the results, with Adelaide City dominating the results between them but again the players the significant players who have played for both clubs some five big names four of them still big names in in football and one particular name that actually went on to have a further career in acting this is this is true this is uh, pretty exciting uh, for, for for all fans of football um, and, you know, this rivalry, you know, a little bit before my time, but, uh, you know, I'm aware of it still and and the names that you see uh, that we're about to read out to you uh, will kind of uh, bode to that history of this, uh, the, the, these two old 
uh, clubs, you know, you know, the significant players that we that we've jotted down, the likes of Ross Aloisi, Vic Bosnich, John Kosmina, Anthony Paligia, and Stan Lazaridis, um, all playing um, for both these clubs uh, during their ninety-match or hundred-match rivalry. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but Anthony Lapaglia in particular, before he became an actor, a very handy goalkeeper for both clubs. Yeah, he he um, he was. Um, he he, he uh, was a very good goalkeeper for that fact and then went on later on to become a, an actor, as you said. But he was also in the, in the original years of Sydney FC. He was a part owner of the Sydney FC and he worked very closely with one of the great goalkeepers of this country, Jim Fraser. Uh, they set up an academy, which is, I think, still running out here in the western suburbs of Sydney. Uh, and Anthony is very, very strong in, in, in supporting Jim and, and the goalkeeper academies. So, yeah, out of those rivalries, you got Anthony LaPaglia that came out and went on to acting, obviously. But, yeah, he was a very good, good goalkeeper. Very safe hands. Well, I'm always one for pumping up the tyres of fellow members of the Keepers Union. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the more we can pump him up, the better. So um, let's move on to rivalry number six before we take our break. And, Joe, we're going to return to Melbourne, but we are going to start getting into one of the ones that probably got a little bit more spicy. It is South Melbourne back in the list, but this time with Heidelberg United in the South Greek derby. Wow. <laughs> yes, some uh, some big games they were. Again, you know, um, you, you, you have a look at two clubs that, that worked uh, that were of Greek origin, but of different uh, of different areas and regions of the Greek community that was um, that was supporting one another. Uh, again, produced some of the some great players for this country. I mean, Jim Tansy, uh, the the goalkeeper. Um, then you had you know South Melbourne again, the usuals. Um, but yeah, the rivalry there again, big days. You have 15, 20, 25,000 people at the derby. Um, you you just you, you can't imagine, it. and this and the quality of football uh, was was outstanding in those days because you had quite a few. Europeans coming out to play for these uh, for these clubs. And Dom, we, we talk, we've seen in Sydney, for example, that there is currently a rivalry in place between the Greeks and the Macedonians, obviously involving Sydney Olympic and Rockdale Illenden. But just given the sheer size of the population, this clearly outstrips the Sydney Hellenic derby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, especially down in, in Victoria, that Greek community is 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 large, right? There's there's no other way uh, to put it. And you know, and have big, especially in the south of Melbourne around the Heidelberg area. You know, huge uh, population uh, of of Greek um, heritage there, or, or immigrants who had come across uh, years and years and years ago, um, and it still stems to to this day uh, with these two sides playing against each other. I mean, they haven't played against each other. Too often in in in, in recent times, and you think about it, only seventy five times they've played against each other. But that doesn't mean that it's any more uh, ferocious than some of the other rivalries in this list. It, it it's really strong. It's you know both clubs have you know 
as we mentioned, have produced some really good talent. Obviously, South Melbourne we mentioned earlier, but Heidelberg themselves have produced the likes of Kevin Muscat and most recently Andrew Naboot. So, you know, again, it's one of those things of, you know, the, the big brother kind of little brother kind of concept between these two sides, isn't it, yeah, within the Vic MPL and, you know, South Melbourne being such a, uh, you know, a large entity within that league uh, you know, and Heidelberg kind of on the rise, which we've seen them, you know, have some pretty impressive runs in the FFA Cup in recent times, shows that, you know, that this rivalry, just, you know, dating back since 1992, um, is still as strong as ever in 2021. You've got to look at this as well. Um, it, it's, it's, the, to, to put it in perspective, it's, it's um, crosstown rivals, but the groups that themselves, they, they, Alexander, Obviously, Heidelberg pride themselves on Alexander Northerners in Greece and South Melbourne, the Southerners of, of Athens. But in those days there and, and with the, the derbies between South Melbourne and Heidelberg, it, it was just as fierce on the park as what it was off the park. Uh, the rivalry even between players, you just it, you just couldn't understand how, how you were pumped up. If there was one game or two games a year that that you got pumped up as a player, and that was those games there. Oh, absolutely. And these are the kinds of games that really transcend football as we know it in this country. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have part two of our list of the top 10 Australian football rivalries. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au, for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable. ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. 
Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Ball Caruso with the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto and our special guest, Joe Migliani from the Hills Football Association. We are talking the top 10 Australian football rivalries. We've just gone through 10 through to 6 and we're about to start the top 5. But before we do, Joe, I think you've got an honourable mention for us. Yeah, I sure do have an honourable mention for you guys. Look, um... Uh, there's been so many great um, rivalries. We're, we're obviously going to speak about a couple of the old NSL rivalries um, that that were in the past. And considering Arpia, when I was with Arpia um, and the Invincibles and and that type of stuff, but one that stands out for me was an absolute amazing experience, and it was the first time I'd really experienced something of the kind. Was when in 1995 with Manfred. Schaefer as coach of Marconi the year we won the championship, um, we travelled to, to Perth and unbeknown to us, the, the Perth Glory uh, Marconi game had been sold out before the season even started at the, at the Perth Oval, and which was unbelievable. And when we showed up at the ground with all the players, um, you know, it, it, it was just one of the most electric atmospheres that you could have. And... I think Perth Glory scored first and all of a sudden you saw all this beer out of the shed going up and the cheering and the chanting, something we had never heard. And it was funny because, it, uh, you know, we all looked at one another, the players, Manfred, myself, and, you know, we just unbelievable. And Andy Harper, and I, I, I quite, it was unbelievable. He, he had a chat on, on, the, on, the, um, on the TV post-match and the, the only thing he spoke about was how great it was to have that atmosphere at, at an Australian football ground and um, and the shed paid compliments to him. We actually, as a whole team, went to the shed and clapped them after the game and thanked them. We, beat, we, we had beaten Perth, but we went to there and we, we clapped them and said thank you for the, the support that they brought. And it, it's funny, that that's where the rivalry between Perth and Marconi started. And that Perth and Marconi uh, went on to when Frank was coaching, uh, Frank Farina was coaching the uh, Marconi team and we went over to play a semi-final over there. And within a week they had to change the venue because we we were playing Perth. Uh, they had it for Adelaide Oval and they ended up taking it to the Wacker so they can sell thir- over 35,000 tickets. And this is at a, an NSL semi-final. First time in the history of the NSL, 35,000 people. Uh, and, and, and the rivalry between the two, because you'll find that in Perth, you've got a lot of Italians over there who will follow Marconi, but also ex-Marconi people that moved from Fairfield to Perth. So that's where that rivalry started over in Perth. So that's my token one. I, I think that's absolutely amazing as a story, isn't it, Dom? Like, to see that kind of thing just happen out of nowhere and just grow organically. This is what football's all about. Yeah, it's the history. It's the heritage. It's the it's the, it's the the beginnings of, of something that was never even remotely looked at 
There was no marketing. There was no, no marketing, marketing or promotion of that. It just happened. All right, let's get straight into it. Let's go to number five. And Dom, we're going to go back to the A-League with this one. It is a it, about for a local derby, it's almost about as close as you're going to get for the A-League these days. And out of all of them, probably the most even in terms of results. We are talking about what used to be known as the F3 derby. It has now been renamed as the M1 derby. It is the Newcastle Jets and the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah, this one's a, a good one now, isn't it? It's one that we all look forward to on the A-League calendar when the Jets take on the Mariners. Very even um, between both sides and uh, have never really been at the top at the same time. I think that's probably why it's why it's... Even, you know, both t- team, you know, teams have had chances at the top of the table and then have had, you know, their, their time lower down. We haven't ever really seen either one of them be consistent um, over their over their time. Uh, obviously, the Central Coast had a great year this year. Newcastle didn't. And then a couple of years ago, Newcastle played that, those two good seasons. We saw them get to a final and then and obviously lost in that infamous uh, grand final uh, VAR drama. That being said, both sides, I think, uh, you know, still yearning for a premiership soon. And uh, back to this rivalry in general, it's one that, you know, uh, you know, the people of, of the Central Coast and Newcastle love. Um, you know, it's a it's a region that uh, the other professional sporting codes have failed to touch in, you know, a number of years, which we've spoken about in, in great lengths on the show. See, Newcastle has its, it has the has the Knights and, you know, much beloved Knights, but the Jets have a big following too and have, and have gone through their their troubles and uh, financially and all that kind of stuff. So, but they're back up and running and the Mariners have had great seasons and, and both clubs have got a lot of history and, have, and you know, and, and represent that kind of, that struggling working class, which is great to see. And I think when they come together, um, you know, it's it's a battle of uh, it's a battle of mates in some respects, and uh, it's one that uh, is almost you know ch- cherished on the A League calendar. This Joe, this rivalry really took off in two thousand and eight when the Jets and the Mariners faced each other three times, including a two legged series in the semi final and then the grand final. And this this is when the rivalry really came alive. When you when you talk about Newcastle, and we'll start with Newcastle, very proud supporters of their local team. And you've got to have a look at football in Newcastle. It didn't start back in 1992 or uh, 2000 and, you know, when the A-League started, when Newcastle and Gosford. Um, the football up in, in Newcastle has, has gone on around the early 1900s. That's how long football, and that was a lot of the miners, the Welsh and English miners that come out to the country that settled up there, were working up in the mines, and they started their football. Northern New South Wales Football Association is is based on that history a lot. And then you had a lot of the the, the, the ex-mines down in Gosford. So a lot of those guys moved down into Gosford. So a lot of that, that football rivalry started way back then in the early 1900s. It came to the fore in, in, in front of public in front of the public only recently since the the A League started up again, and and you have those that passion the Novacastrians and the Gosford uh, faithful you know they 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 both believe and, and and they both believe they're better than one another and, and they have a strong football history. Um, you, you go back and you see our our infamous uh, uh, national. Uh, coach Graham Arnold, he coached up at the Central Coast Mariners, and he, and he brought a lot of a lot of respect up there for the for the club, 
Uh, you had, um, you know, winning the, winning the championships against the Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, but not only that, you had Laurie McKenna, who was also a, an administrator. And Laurie was a, a Heidelberg boy uh, many, many years ago when you talk about rivalries. Uh, he played in many of those derbies down there in Melbourne. But he brought that passion and, and you know, that Celtic Scottish – oh, shit, sorry uh, – <laughs> Not the Celtics. Uh, he's a Rangers boy. He'd kill me for saying that. <laughs> but you know, brought that Rangers Scottish um, uh, thing happening up in, in in that Gosford area. So hence why you've got a lot of passion. And then Laurie went on to administer Newcastle. There's a lot of rivalry because of cross cross um, moving of a lot of um, a lot of staff and players and all that. We mentioned the Dom, the 2008 final series between the two, but there's one infamous match as well that should be mentioned as well. Not only the biggest win in the M1 derby now, but also the highest scoring A-League match in history. Yeah, the 2018 uh, shellacking <laughs> uh, where Newcastle travelled uh, down the, the M1 slash S3 uh, to uh, Central Coast Stadium and walloped the Mariners 8-2, a very dark day in the, the Mariners' history. I think yes. that year, for a, I think for a, for a few years, but I think that year in particular, I was really calling for the A-League to remove the licensing of, of the Central Coast Mariners <laughs> in the A-League because their performances were, were, were honestly as good as my Marrickville Division 10 side on some days. Um, it was it was disastrous and obviously um, it, one that no one from a Central Coast Mariners point of view wants to watch again. But however, they proved me wrong and had a great season this uh, year. But it's just gone by, and and I imagine that they'll be in a good position to do that again this year um, if they go the right way about it. Um, but yeah, that game in particular was was massive and one that I think only. Stokes the fire even more between these two sides. Let's yes. move into sit. Let's move into Sydney with rivalry position number four, and Joe, a special one in your heart. It is the Italian derby, Apia Leichhardt against Marconi. Wow, <laughs> it brings back a lot of memory as a kid, as a player, um, playing at Apia, and um, and then obviously being in the coaching staff at Apia for many years. And then um, moving on to Marconi and being part of the coaching staff at, 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 at Marconi. But when you when you have a look at this derby, it was, um, as they used to say in, in, in the old days, Le Farmista, where the Apia supporters were going up to see La Farmista. We're playing against the farmers up there, you know. Um, that's what they were known. <laughs> and, um, and, and, look, it was... It was very colourful those those derbies. I mean, the the again players were just you you had to be ready for that derby. There was no excuse not being ready for that derby, and the battles on the park it was just ferocious. And then off the park, the colour, the characters. I mean, I remember one day vividly uh, going out up to Marconi, and um, the Arpia supporters walked out and pr- pr- um, pro- uh, proceeded to go on the park. And, and throw um, the uh, goats all over, let go of these baby goats running around the park because the Marconi supporters came out with a coffin uh, draped in the Arpia colours saying that they're finished, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and at one, at, at one stage, 
And then at one stage at Lambert Park when they come down, the, the Arpia supporters would be throwing fennel and vegetables on the park at the Marconi players and, and that saying, oh, the farmers. Um, but none other was bigger than the one in, in, in 1987, the year that um, I was fortunate enough and privileged enough to be part of, the 1987 Invincibles um, with the, the Honourable uh, Rally Rasik as the coach of that team. And, and that year, the rivalry was um, absolutely unbelievable. You think Lambert Park, 15,000 people, they're up on the railway line everywhere else, everywhere that they could get up, on the grandstand roof, the whole place. And up at Marconi, same thing. And any vantage point anyone could get. Um, but that that was a big year. And, and, again, very ferocious on the park and off the park. You, you had to be always ready for that Italian derby. And then after the game, it was let's go back to the club and a nice big plate of pasta and some wine and, and let's dance and drink and be merry. That's that's what the Italian derby was all about. Tom, this makes me want to be part of to see this, like back what it would have been like in the day. I mean, we mentioned, Joe mentions the, the Invincibles and that legendary name in Raleigh Rasset. You know, everything he seemed to touch in football in Australia turned to gold in some way. But we should never underestimate the power of Marconi, especially when they had their run in the, in the mid-90s where they were one of the two teams that dominated the NSL. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this um, this rivalry is uh, awesome. I mean, two things to mention. I think we didn't put down uh, notable players uh, as Joe being one of them, first of all. And um, also... Um, Thanks, Don. <laughs> also... Um, you know, I don't know how any of uh, you lads ran around uh, on the field back in those days because there would have been so much food available. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I, you know, there would have been blokes supping for stomach no. stomach cramps every five minutes. Is uh, <laughs> not as lasagna has, has 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 come up the wrong way. Um, it, it, I think that's more that's the more impeccable, incredible thing about all of this. Yeah, the original uh, Invincibles, as I like to call it, that eighty seven, eighty eight season, uh, which my old man talks about too. Um, he used to go and watch it when he was younger um, under Rally Rassage. And yeah, Marconi in the 90s, you know, really, really strong side, as, as we've spoken about in, in some detail in, in pasts gone by. And, uh, you know, heavyweights of, of football in New South Wales, these two clubs. And, have, you know, you know, and obviously when the when the Italians, you know, come to come together to play football there, you know, all of a sudden for 90 minutes, there's no such thing as friends. But obviously the great thing about it is, is when those 90 minutes are over, uh, they know that uh, it, it's, it, it's all, when it's all said and done, it, it's, you know, it's straight back to, to Nono and Nono's house for, for you know, yeah. for, for, for the fifth bowl of spaghetti. So, you know. <laughs> look, look when, when you look back in that era there, you, you had some, some of, again, some of Australia's, Unbelievable talent. Um, you had the Terry Butler, one club, one club man for Arpia. Uh, Jimmy Rooney. Um, yeah, Peter Wilson played for Arpia. Um, yeah, these are all guys part of the '74 stuff. And you know, and in later years, you know, you had the great Baz Giampolo. He played for Arpia. Uh, Greg Woodhouse. You know, you've got, you've got, you've got some in, in, in enormous talent. And it was funny, you know, because. We go into the modern era, and, and after '87, I actually moved on and went to Marconi, and there was three of us that went there. There was myself as a, as a, as the physio of the team, uh, John Paul Di Marini, another great player, and and coaching 
uh, and Peter Catholis. And it was funny because the year we went to Marconi in 1988, we ended up winning the championship both in the in first grade and um, and the under 19s, and and we went on to win the 80 and the inaugural uh, summer season of 88 89. So yeah, for three years in a row, you know, we were part of victory and of two two of the greatest clubs. And 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 we talk about administrators, you know, uh, Tony Labazetta. Um, how, how can you go past such a, another great administrator? You know, up in the same categories as Tony Rossiti. You know, the, their club always came first. And, you know, two great clubs, Arpia, Marconi, Tony Rossiti, Tony Lavazetta, they always put their club first. Um, and, and they did so much great for not only their clubs, but for football in this country. And, you know, to be part of that was unbelievable. And just a little story. I went away with Marconi to the Viareggio tournament um, that's held every year, which RP is going to next year, and they've been going there for the last 15 years. But the very first Viareggio, I went back to Rome and I went back to visit my, um, my, my auntie and uncle, and my uncle said to me, what are you doing? Let's go. Put your suit on because he worked for the police. And we went up in the VIP area in Rome and we went to watch the derby, Rome-Lazio, uh, you know, unbelievable experience, unbelievable crowd. But I had a gentleman come up to me and he goes, oh, you're from Australia, Club Marconi. Uh, is Mr. Lavazetta here? And I said, no, um, look, he's not here. He's in Australia. Uh, can I help you? He goes, I'm the president of Roma. Could you pass on my regards to Mr. Lavazetta? And it's great to see that Marconi are now part of the Via Reggio. This is how great this, you know, these administrators and how far the NSL went in those days. The acknowledgement of Serie A, which was massive in those days, um, and 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 to to have this these derbies and all that. That's all part of this culture of these great clubs that have brought football ahead in this country. Well, Dom, any time that AS Roma gets mentioned, you, you you feel a little bit warm and fuzzy inside, and that that's <laughs> got to make that's got to make you feel that much better, doesn't it? It does a little bit. Uh, my, my beloved AS Roma, whenever they're mentioned, um, you know, and, and I have a strong connection to to Australia AS Roma um, as well. So um, it's great to, uh, those sort of stories. You know, just puts a big old Cheshire grin on this face. Um, every time it sort of well, comes they, through they the airways. Well, they certainly do have a very close affiliation with Australian football. Um, and currently at AS Roma, uh, we've got young Christian Volpato, um, who, who Tony Basher um, was his coach over here and got him over there. And you have a look, um, uh, uh, Toddy has gotten on board and is his manager. And he, he was on the team sheet last week or the week before with the first-grade team. So, I mean, you know, Roma has got a very, very, very close affiliation now with with Australia, even more so than in those days with Mr. Babazetta. Well, let's move on to the, te- the rivalry that is now number three in the top ten Australian football rivalries. We're going to stay in the in the NS, the old NSL into NPL New South Wales. And we go from one of the sort of the more fun, more friendly, but nonetheless fierce rivalries to one that has probably gathered notoriety at the domestic level more than any other rivalry that exists, Joe. 
We're talking about Sydney United 58 versus Bonnie Rig White Eagles. The classic derby of the Balkans. Let me just say this. Two great clubs. Two great clubs that have always been very successful uh, in everything they've done. And more notably with Sydney United, um, they have produced some of, um, yeah, a lot of Australian footballers for us and have brought out some amazing players into this country. And, and, and the same with, um, the same with uh, Bonnie Rigg. Look, when these two teams got together, yes, we know it's, it's political. It's always been Serbian versus Croatian and all that. But it's always been a very strong rivalry. Again, brought up um, culturally from, from um, you know, the, it's a cultural uh, derby. Uh, and, and obviously there was a lot of political uh, disharmony between the two, which added a little bit of spice on the park. And then when you had a lot of young um, Serbian boys and Croatian boys on the park, um, yeah, they've they've had that instilled. That brought extra passion out onto the park. And again, um, yeah, the Balkans derby has produced some of Australia's greatest players. You know, you look at Popovic, Babic. Um, you know, they, these are some of the great players that you know Kalic um, that have played in the game uh, here in Australia. So yeah, that that has been one of the biggest fiercest political derbies. And let's, Dom, not only is it a big political derby, but when you consider the geographic location of these two specific sports clubs that run, they're only a stone's throw from each other. And I believe there's a certain member of Triple H Sports actually has a bit of a uh, of a personal interest with regards to this rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a pretty uh, strong... Uh rivalry between these two ones and in recent times in particular you've, you've it's uh caught in the the ire of uh you know the media kind of reporting on some of the the bad things that that have been happening between it I, i'm not too sure sorry caruso who who does have the connection sorry is it, is it it's one tony dosen tony dosen he is a seat he is a sydney united fan he is actually of croatian descent so he, he's spoken at length of many nights he spent at King Thomas Love, of course, in Adenza Park. And when you consider that just up Elizabeth Drive, you get to Bonnie Rig and the Avala Sports Club, the home of the Bonnie Rig White Eagles. Well, there you go. Yeah, that reminds me, Tony, is close with the Sydney United 58 club. But back to this rivalry, yeah, it's it's fierce this one. This is a this is a real Balkans rivalry, isn't it? These two sides and without a doubt at a local level the probably and arguably the fiercest rivalry in in you would what really community yeah, sport. But uh, you know, in, in local sport, in semi-professional sport, this nothing comes close to this. Both sets of fans don't like each other on and off the field. Um, it can get fiery and which, you know, we have to make sure that it doesn't get too out of hand, but that's the kind of rivalry that, that it's become. And every, you know, it's seen them play behind closed doors. That's how fierce that this, uh, I would say this particular, particular battle has, has really become. And, you know, it, it, it's, and it has, and despite the fact that there's probably been a lot more regulation around it, uh, over the last couple of seasons, I think that's only heightened the rivalry further. 
than what than than Quillet. And Joe, what what we've seen now is that with the resurrection of NPL New South Wales, this this rivalry kicked off again for quite a few years as both clubs are very competitive, but. Unfortunately, um, we haven't seen a ga- um, many games of it since, and it was rather befitting, in a way, that the game that confirmed Bonnie Riggs' relegation to NPL two was against Sydney United. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was rather unfortunate. It was that uh, with that with that on the derby that they got relegated to the Division two, and it's unfortunate that we don't have them back up in the. Uh, Bonnie Rigg back up in the in the, in the first division. I believe they should be up there. Um, again, as I've said, from from producing footballers, and this is what it's all about. Yeah, sure, it's great to have the rivalries, but producing some talent. Um, yeah, we we need that type of quality uh, to be back up in, in in the first division. Well, let's move on to position number two for the rivalries, and Dom, we go back to the A League, and we. We now introduce a team that hasn't been mentioned yet for rivalries, but they now enter the foray for one of them. We are talking Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory. It is the Big Blue. Australia's most iconic rivalry based on the successes of both these two clubs. You know, in recent times, Sydney have, and I'm talking very recently, Sydney have taken a, a bit of a lead in that uh, in that department. As we know, the, and we've documented quite a lot that since the departure of Kevin Musket from the the Melbourne Victory, they they didn't seem to have a, a a plan B or an after plan for that potentially to happen, and they've sort of gone on a downwards trajectory. But a club of that size, uh, I'm sure, will eventually bounce back. But they've battled in so many great grand finals. They've traded blows, wins and losses. Um, you know, they've seen you know players, you know. Not too many players would travel uh, between each club. I think the only one of, of recent memory is obviously Costa Barbarousas, um, who came across from victory up to up to Sydney. But whenever these two play, it's it, it's the most watched game on Australian TVs when it comes to football. It, you know, it, it's it's the money maker for the for the A League. Um, it's the biggest, you know, because the biggest fan base is you know coming together and, and, and not liking each other whatsoever. It's New South Wales versus Victoria, Sydney versus Melbourne, um, you know, which already is a, a pretty distinct rival uh, rivalry, I should say. And it, it only gets better every every year. My only hope is, even though it's, as a Sydney FC fan, it's funny to, that you would say this, is that you actually hope that Melbourne Victory get back up to the top so this rivalry doesn't peter out and it remains the, the top gong in Australian football. And Joe, it should be mentioned as well that this, while this rivalry is fierce and intense, there is a genuine soft side to this, and something we are very passionate about here on Triple H Sport is that um, they have allowed this rivalry to be known as uh, battling for the Beyond Blue Cup. Uh, that great organisation putting up the trophy to be battled out between these two. And they use it as a great opportunity to really talk about mental health, especially when it's connected with mental health in sport. It, it, it's, it's actually a very good course, um, the, the Beyond Blue Cup. Uh, I'm, I'm a very strong supporter of Beyond Blue. Um, we, we at Arpia uh, every year, and it's coming up in February, I think it's around the February the 5th, we play... Um, in the Darren Stewart Cup. Now, Darren Stewart was a, was a player from, from Arpia. 
Uh, he was our captain, made it as a Socceroo. And his local club up in Newcastle, um, run, we play his local association club. So we go up there and every year play, play for the Beyond Blue Cup up there. But going back to Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC, we talk about state of origin in rugby league and, and the passion that's in state of origin in, in, in rugby league. You're talking about state representatives, a, a conglomerate of, of representative players representing New South Wales, Queensland, the, you know, the state of origin cup. I, I don't think that comes anywhere near this rivalry between Sydney FC and, and Melbourne Victory. We've got the Melbourne boys, the, the Mexicans south of the border, trying to outdo the, the, um, the top boys up in Sydney. And, and I think that's where that rivalry has come about, that, you know, you've, you, you've got um, two great clubs, two great uh, huge clubs, big names, always bought out big players um, and, and obviously very successful on and off the park. So when you talk about the, the, uh, the state of origin, it doesn't come anywhere near the big blue. I'm sorry because you're talking about a club, a club rivalry and, and the the atmosphere around that, and, and and the and the wanting to try and and win that, and, and and hold the you know hold the trophy for the for the whole season, you know, um, it is just amazing. And, and I'll come back to how great that was. And there was two things that come to mind, and it was the semi final uh, a couple of years back when Sydney uh, Sydney FC had won the championship. They played Melbourne Victory in the semi-final at um, at Sydney at the Sydney Stadium there, and um, and uh, Melbourne Victory went down and came back in the last minute and then won it in extra time. Uh, the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable and the rivalry, and you could feel the tension in the air the whole night. And then the other one that comes across is I remember when the famous Del Piero came out here. Always in my heart, Juve boy. I'm a Juve boy. But Del Piero coming out here, um, it was a fir- actually the first time I actually followed Sydney FC, believe it or not. But he added that extra spice to the to the um, to the to this derby between the two great teams. And I remember at, at, again out at uh, Allianz Stadium out there in Sydney, Sydney FC had a player sent off, I think in about the tenth minute or something. So they had their backs to the wall, and Melbourne Victory went up. 2-0, if I remember rightly. And the great Del Piero would just mesmerise the whole lot of them. And he, on his own, destroyed the the Melbourne Victory supporters that were up here by beating them 3-2. But so so great was the, the rivalry, so great is the rivalry between the two that, that you know, all these great matches come up and there's always a great match. No matter, I don't care what position Sydney FC or Melbourne are in, you'll always find that that's one of the greatest derbies in this in, in the country at the moment. Forget about your state of origin. I, for mine, my best my best memory, Dom, was when in the 14th of February 2010, when Sydney FC won the Premier's play for the first time, it was actually a top-of-the-table clash against Melbourne Victory. Basically, whoever won that match was winning the Premier's play, and Sydney FC won 2-0. Carol Kissel scored the first goal, before I, what I maintain is one of the greatest A-League goals of all time when Johnny Aloisi launched this absolute rocket from 35 metres with yes. that famous left foot. And I was in the cove that day and I was right behind the, the goal in line with the ball. As soon as he hit it, 
I stood. I was one of the first to stand up as soon as he hit it because I thought, that's in. He's hit that. That's in. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a thunderous strike. I remember watching it uh, uh, with some friends that day from our, from our house and it was just uh, – Electric at the stadium, but it was but in our room it was also electric too. As we went, we absolutely lost our minds at the at the strike that we just saw. It's those kind of moments that have made this derby so um, historically fierce, and yeah. and it continues to grow each and every year. And as I mentioned, you know those great games, those those two nil downs and turning into three twos, all those penalty shootouts, uh, you know, in those finals. Um, you know, we want those to come back as soon as possible. So weirdly, as much as, you know, you wouldn't really say, hear me want to say this is, you know, please, Melbourne, get your act together so we can get back to having this great rivalry that we have between the both uh, the biggest clubs in the state, in each state. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it has come to that time of the night. We now have the biggest football rivalry in Australia. And Dom, I mean, what else could it be? It's a relatively new one compared to the rest of the other, the rest of the rivalries we've got here in terms of history. But the way it has just absolutely taken off, the crowds, the banter, the antics that gets on, the number of players that have played for both clubs as well, it could only be the Sydney Derby, the only rivalry really recognised as one of the world's great rivalries from Australia, Sydney FC versus the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, without a doubt, this derby, despite its history being short, has uh, eclipsed uh, every other derby uh, in the country. You know, this is the one that really has put, I think, Australian football on the on the map. Myself in particular, you know, I think uh, uh, growing up and, and witnessing this this growth uh, between the, the hatred between the two sides and the fan base is, you know, it really resonates with me. Being a, a Sydney fan, having lived in Sydney, but obviously, you know, I've always had a soft spot for the Wanderers. Being that, you know, a lot of my family's from 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 that uh, that western part of western part of Sydney, and I've seen them, you know, and I've always loved the support that uh, the, 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 the the of the RBB and all that sort of uh, element to the the Western Sydney Wanderers. That amazing AFC Championship year, where they also put Australian football on the map. Obviously, haven't really kicked on from there and still looking to get that maiden championship title uh, here on Australian soil. But the rivalry between the two sides is so fantastic. And I think what's so great about this whole rivalry is, is that it's that it's it's that territory, it's that Sydney territory, you know, that that rivalry between, you know, the East and the West, right? And it's, you know, a lot of people I think out West probably thought, you know, didn't want to have to support Sydney FC, right? It's just, you know, like, you know, they're not, don't really see themselves from from Sydney, right? A lot of people from from out west, you know, feel neglected from from a lot of the the kind of the uprising of Sydney now and the way that it's kind of positioned as an international city, and you know, a lot of places you know are neglected unless you live out of those kind of you know affluent areas of Sydney. And it's good, you know, the 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 birth of the Western Sydney Wanderers, I think, almost encapsulates that kind of coming together of heaps of communities that are like, you know, what we're sick of going, but to support the sky blue we've got our own team now and it's our turn to to have to have that dominance right we this is this is where football's played football's played in the in a west in the western suburbs of sydney it's not played in the in, in in rugby union town it's played in the west and that's what i love about it it's got that 
that that that that geo rivalry that just really mixes well when it it's it's like a London derby in some respects. You know, it's 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 a proper city derby. And Joe, you've seen everything that has come to has come out of it. Some of the the stories that have happened throughout the the years, some of the matches, the fan marches that we've seen have been absolutely amazing. The the stories of stolen and we should mention burnt tifos occurring. <laughs> it could only happen in the Sydney Derby. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of conspiracy theories going on around the place in regards to the Derby and the tifos being stolen. Yeah, um, Dom, you, you touched the bases on it a little bit on how it all eventuated and how it's all come to fruit. And um, Sydney FC obviously were the first ones in and they were put together by the FFA and and, and that type of thing. And, and I think where the passion grows here with Western Sydney Wanderers is um, the people that, that formed Western Sydney Wanderers, and, and I went, I must admit, I went to every single meeting, every single meeting that they held from the very first one right up until the first day of kickoff. And, and, and I remember they, they made it the people's, the people's team. You know, the people had a, a, an influence on what the name was, the colours, um, you know, players that they selected. Um, so that's what made it very passionate about um, the Wanderers. And then you had the infamous RBB, probably the first of its kind anywhere in Australia to, to, to come be a fan base and a strong supporter as they were. And, and I feel they grew and grew and grew that first year to being what they were. And, and in the end, it, it ended up being the derby, ended up being an A-listers ticket. You know, we're talking about local football, the local, you know, the, 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 the Sydney football, Australian football, soccer, as we know it. You know, the wog ball game, the, you know, these wogs, what are they doing? And all of a sudden it becomes an, A-lead, uh, an A-listed ticket that people were paying big, big dollars to come to watch this unbelievable derby to see the atmosphere, you know. And and, and, and I must admit, my wife, she she started, she she was very, very, um, how can I say, she wouldn't come to a lot of games. But once the Wanderers started and the atmosphere that was created by the RBB, she couldn't miss a game. She loved it. She loved the atmosphere. She loved the people, the rivalry, and she would never miss a derby. She still does until today. Um, only because of that atmosphere, and you can't create it. I, I, um, um, I, I put it down to you know the 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 south the combination of um, the cultures that are involved with Western Sydney uh, Wanderers. Um, there's there's a large diversity of cultures, um, and then you've got um, uh, and and Sydney FC. Well, you've got cultures there as well. I, I think there's a more multicultural and a more football understanding, especially when you've got the, the South American influence and the Croatians and the Italians and the Greeks. You've got the Lebanese uh, have affiliated to it. And it, it's funny because I was out at Parramatta Stadium back in the earlier days and uh, Jared Hayne uh, was out at a game. And, and I know Jared through the hills because he's very strong up here in the hills and I, I knew him. I said, Jared, what do you think? He said, let me say something to you, Joe. He said, if I could, if we could at Parramatta be able to produce this, the fans, the RBB, on a week-to-week basis, we would never lose a championship. Right? And then at the derby, he said, 
Mate, you can imagine Parramatta playing St George or the Bulldogs and we had this type of rivalry happening. The game would, who knows where the game would be. And this is coming from the other the other codes, right? And I call them the other codes because they are just that, another code. I think football, and, and I'm passionate about it. And I think that's what um, that's what destroyed um, the, the, the rivalry between Sydney FC up until now where, you know, you had the over-policing with the RBB boys and, and, and they got upset with it. And there, there wasn't that passionate anymore. Be, uh, okay, the team wasn't doing well as, as well. But that's that's what you'll find, that this passion's gone out. And, and a lot of it's got to do with the media and the AFL and the, the rugby league. They felt threatened. They felt threatened by the Cove and the RBB. And 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 that was as simple as that. We all, all remember the infamous Rebecca Wilson and her, you know, Unbelievable bullshit stories, and excuse me, the French that I say that, but they were the you know the lies and the innuendos, anything to destroy the game. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, a, a, a disagreement between two guys at, at a soccer match is a riot, and two and, and a group of blokes at the rugby league um, punching on is just a disagreement. So you know that's that's where this passion and this derby has gone, and then yeah, you say the success, Sydney FC, yes. Very successful on the local scene, but unfortunately, us us Western Sydney Wanderers love to go- gloat about the fact that we're Asian champions. And to be an Asian champion, as you know, it is massive. It's like winning the European Cup. Yeah, and, and it's and it's strange because in that year that the Wanderers won the club championship in Asia, uh, being the Asian champions, the Australian team won their first ever tournament, the Asian Cup. So it was ironic that yeah that that this this happened under Angie Postacoglu there and Tony Popovich we had at, at Western Sydney Wanderers. Absolutely, and I mean not much more can really be said. But I think the one of the other great things that we saw about this rivalry, Dom, was the fact that despite the geographic divide between these two, and some would say socioeconomic, we certainly saw plenty of talent play for these two clubs and certainly when the rivalry yes. kicked off we saw two of the biggest names to come through the A-League in Alessandro Del Piero and Shinji Ono. Yeah, uh, both players were magnificent when they came uh, for the game and you know we you know since then we kind of have dropped that model of you know playing uh, you know the big bus for 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 sort of washed up players but you know I don't think it's kind of worked all that well for for us and I think we need to start thinking about doing it again in the near future that's that atmosphere will return uh, I have I have absolutely no doubt well yeah. we can only no, hope we can only hope and we are definitely looking forward to what should be another exciting A-League season as we've already previewed only a couple only a week or so ago ladies and gentlemen with that wow what an episode it is full time year and those other top 10 Australian football rivalries. We've opened up the treasure chest of memories. We've drawn on the current rivalries and it's just whetted our enthusiasm just a bit further to see football continue to expand. Who knows what will happen, what new rivalries could come up as we see an expansion and who knows what new stories will come about. Time will only tell. My thanks, first off, once again, to Dom Rizzuto for joining us here tonight. 
and we're probably going to have much more football to talk about because we'll investigate more of these rivalries in football in one of our future episodes. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to uh, diving into some uh, rivalries, uh, not just within, on Australian soils, but uh, globally as well. Joe Migliani, thank you so much for your time. Your wealth of knowledge has been absolutely incredible. Uh, we, we hope we can get you on the show again at some point or maybe even calling football live. Mate, let me tell you, Anthony and Dom, it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure to be part of it. Um, and, and I'd be only too happy to any time help you guys out when it, when it means that we're going to promote Australian football in this country. And I say this to everyone, get behind the Socceroos, get behind the Matildas, we need to really make them stand out in the world of football and bring on the derby on the 20th of November. Let's oh. uh, let's create more memories. Absolutely. We cannot wait. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites on behalf of Dom Rizzuto and Joe Mugliani. I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.